Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Off day for the Calgary Flames today. They get shut out for the first time all year in Colorado last night. Weren't bad, though. 45 shots. Darcy Kemper stopped them all. McKinnon a pair. An empty netter for Rantanen. That was it. And that was after a 3-0 shutout of Detroit on Saturday at the Scotiabank Saddledome, which uh, I have to say, Rhett, pretty awesome. First game for the little man. Went there early. Warm-ups. They got the pitchers outside the, the the dome with the big mask on the yellow tower there. Boys are wearing the jerseys. Tukes just geeked up. Went and said hi to Ryan Leslie on the desk. He made fun of my kid's hair. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great night. Malts, popcorn. You clicking that pen no again? No blow-ups. There, there was no eh. nothing bad. Just one little minor of vanilla versus cinnamon flavor, but like, come on, guys, oh. don't be brats. Yeah. Hey? Don't be brats. <laughs> and one of them just absolutely loves Markstrom, so there you go, gets the shutout. How about that? We had to stay till the end to make sure we saw him get the shutout, right? Good really? day. Yep. There you go. So, Dad, we're not leaving. And so, do you want to see if Markstrom gets shutout? Like, yeah, we can't leave, Dad, till zeros. Let's go. And the zeros will leave. Pretty awesome. Uh, a lot of kids in the crowd. I don't know. You said you were at Thursdays, but you always leave early. You, you were not there on Saturday. It was uh, saw saw a lot of the uh, the grade oneers floating around, high fiving each other. A lot of Timbits jerseys, rock and roll. Gotta love it. It's uh, good for them because those early games are the way to go for the kids. So. They are. You can dump them at home and be uh, out for John Bender's birth party by like eight thirty nine. Easy. Nice. That's, That's right. Good. Yeah. Saw your boy Steinberg. Good to see him. Saw Matty Rose. Still looks like he's boy, uh, smuggling things. Um, let's go to the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, the 13-time Consumer Choice Award winner. Find him at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or pick up delivery, delivery 403-248-3344. It's uh, Ben Wagner of the Blue Jays broadcast team in Dunedin. Sir, uh, paint us a picture. You got the shades on, uh, birds chirping. What's happening? All that and much, much more. A canopy of blue sky, sunshine coming over to Tampa Bay, blanketing what is now a very dewy, dewy Dunedin, if you will. Dewy Dunedin. Yeah, yeah. Temperature's going to warm up after a breezy and very chilly day in terms of camp, where I think we topped out at 12 yesterday. We're starting there today, and it should uh, get us into the low 20s. It is perfect spring training weather. I don't want to rub it in. I don't want to rub it in, but the weather down here has been absolutely beautiful, and that's good news because uh, they need it. They really need it because they can't miss days of, of scheduled pitching, ramp up, because um, the season's going to be here in a flash. No kidding. April 7th, the season will start. Jay start on the 8th, uh, his home series against the Rangers at Rogers Center. What's the last couple of weeks been like down there? Because you've been covering – uh, the non 40 man spring training. So IE anyone that's not on their major league contract was eligible to be at camp. The guys on major league contracts weren't or something along those lines. Were you, were you riding the roller coaster of, uh, 
positivity and negativity with the players and the owners going at each other? And, and did you get a sense this thing was going to happen, or, or, or were you a skeptic at times? Uh, all the above. I mean, it was an absolute white-knuckle ride to the finish. And you're right. There's two different camps happening at the player development complex. You have what is deferred as the player development, the PD side of things. That's non-40-man guys. That includes, that includes and here's the, the, the twist here, a, a pocket of non-roster invitees, like six-year free agents, guys that have been in the major leagues, guys that needed to get going, might be insurance policies for the Toronto Blue Jays uh, this year. They have been here now for almost a month waiting on Major League Baseball to figure out what it's doing. And that was the real you know, question. That was the looming topic of every conversation that I had. What's going to happen, whether it's a player or a coach? So as things were you know, coming out overnight, especially that, that, that those conversations that were happening in Jupiter, that was probably the most exciting day when it seemed like a lot of traction got done going back to a couple of Tuesdays and the overnight session, you thought, Oh man, this is really going to be a thing. Uh, and the mood was high. The energy was high. But then when talks broke down in Jupiter and things were going to shift back to New York, that was the most awkward day to be around camp. Players had no energy coaches, you know, were really down and the major league coaches that have been here, which was also by design one. So the major league coaches could get some meetings and, and things out of the way Two kind of observe some of the younger players. It's, it's definitely different. You know, when you see Charlie Montoya and Pete Walker and Matt Bushman or your Guillermo Martinez, you know, watching uh, a cluster of relatively new professional baseball players, you know, there's, it creates a little bit of buzz, you know, that's a major league hitting coaches watching your BP session. Uh, when those talks broke down, uh, every coach, every player was absolutely uh, just kind of muddling through their, their action really in that day. And on the heels of that, the Blue Jays then went into conversations about, well, maybe we should send our coaches home and maybe go in home for a pocket of time. And that's what happened. And then when talks went back to New York, um, Charlie Montoyo came back after a three-day stay in Arizona. Some other coaches came back. And then the conversation really shifted. Well, maybe you guys should just go back for a couple of more weeks and let the minor leaguers get started. Their season is going to start uh, in early April anyway, and we'll use, utilize the extra fields. And literally, literally the afternoon that the deal got done is when those conversations were happening and the Blue Jays completely reversed course in, in their tone, in the energy. Um, the directive is still the same. I mean, the Blue Jays have been planning, you know, different, <laughs> different options to get this thing off the ground whenever they had to hit the green button. Uh, so they haven't missed a beat in terms of that, but the energy is certainly different now. And, and it only ramped up over the weekend, you know, and Bo and Vlad walk through those doors. There's, there's some juice. No kidding. Yeah, this is an exciting young baseball team. And, and for fans in this country, there's not been a lot of games in Toronto. You know that as a guy that uh, spends part of his year in Toronto. There's been a lot of Dunedin and Buffalo, not a lot of Toronto of late. If, the, if they were going to lose a year, that I feel like no fan base was going to get hurt more than the Blue Jays of this young team they've hardly uh, gotten to see. Uh, so the excitement's got to be real high. And then they go ink a pitcher last week, and you start writing down the rotation. You think, okay, that looks pretty darn good. The, the excitement, the expectations are only elevating. It elevates right here in Dunedin where things are happening. And, of course, across the country, that's the fan expectation. They want the excitement of what was 
we think about it going back into 2013, right? That was supposed to be a really good baseball team for Toronto. We know how good that baseball team and exciting Blue Jays baseball was in 2015, 2016. Uh, that is the sense that I'm getting from people that I talk with north of the border. Of course, the players have massive expectations. Jose Barrios told me yesterday uh, his throwing program, he doesn't feel behind. He's going to start on Friday in the spring training opener. You count out the days. It's pretty easy to get to opening day in Toronto. That ball is going to be his in what would be an absolute rowdy Rogers Center, uh, welcoming this team back on a scheduled opener versus the 670-day gap that everybody had to endure. And while it was exciting in August and then September for the Blue Jays, they fell short of that goal. And Jose Barrio said, you know, we have one goal, and we all know what that goal is. And that is, that is a different statement than the last couple of years. There was a good vibe in 2020. That team thought that they could be competitive coming off a 91-loss season. And then the pandemic season, you know, kind of shifted the gear. Like, all right, you know, let's, we think we're good. Let's go out and try to make this happen. They made some acquisitions. They did. You know, they made it to a short-lived playoff stint. And then 2021, they fell just short of a goal of a playoff. And the playoffs had been the goal. Now the goal is clearly a World Series. That's the goal. That's the ultimate goal for elite teams coming to camp this year. The Blue Jays are among those teams that have the one goal, and that is to raise the World Series trophy come late October, early November. So tell us about the 30-year-old lefty Kikuchi who has spent, uh, what, the last three seasons in Seattle, if I'm correct. What, what have they got here, and, and how do you uh, feel like he, he slots or helps this team? You know, he, he's really interesting. He's a power lefty, and the velocity surprised some of the Blue Jays in the, in the starts that they've made against him, or Kikuchi has made against the Blue Jays. Those starts, uh, I talked with people even last year, you know, seeing it for the third straight year in a row, Kikuchi started against the Blue Jays. He's thrown well against the Blue Jays, but they come away with more impressive, one, on the data that they're able to harness on him and somebody that they've liked in the years past. But also, Charlie Montoya and Pete Walker said, well, that's a, that's a live arm. We didn't, you can throw hard, but they really loved some of the life that he's got on the pitches, and they thought that there was something workable there. So that had been a target early in the offseason for the Blue Jays to go out and grab. So seeing Kikuchi jump into this rotation is not a surprise to me at all. This is somebody that has been identified early in the year as a potential target. And in my mind, you know, he goes into a three and a four for the Blue Jays. You know, you got Jose Barrios, you got Kevin Gosman, you've got Alec Manoa. Now you jump in Kikuchi. All of a sudden, Hyunjin Ryu, who had a lot of pressure to go out, make his every fifth day or sixth day start, and not necessarily the pressure to get to five, but let's just face it, that's where modern baseball is right now. You know, Ryu had trouble doing that, and he had trouble doing that last year. Hopefully that takes some pressure off of this rotation, and including the lefty Ryu. But this is, this is a really, really nice one through five. And given where the Blue Jays' rotation is now, and maybe even early in the season where they're going to monitor workload and, and, and the innings just to make sure these guys are good and stretched out before they let them, they let them off the reins here, the Blue Jays might go with a six-man rotation. And that then takes away another big talking point at camp where, well, what do you do with Nate Pearson? What do you do with Ross Stripling? So uh, those things will work themselves out. And, of course, the Blue Jays aren't done making acquisitions or trades and, and, 
free agent signs. But right now on paper, this is a one through six rotation for the Blue Jays. You know the five that are going to be there once we get into regular routine of Major League Baseball. Uh, this is a really formidable rotation. And Kikuchi makes it a very sound rotation that um, if, if Pete Walker can identify things like he did with Stephen Matz and, and let's be honest, the power lefty, guess what? That's Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. And we know what Robbie Ray was able to do and dazzle the game all of last year. Uh, they they do uh, they'll be reminded very early in the regular season, but who's not back? Marcus Simeon signed a monster deal with the, the Rangers. That one year gamble worked out for him and the Jays quite nicely last season, uh, getting MVP votes. Um, that leaves a hole in the infield. How do you see them rounding out this group? You've got Bobuchet at third. You know you got Vlad at first, but after that, there's certainly some question marks and some interesting parts. Well, third base is the spot that they have to address, in my opinion, because I, I, I see everybody on social media. I see you, but Freddie Freeman is just not, is not the fit for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I know there's a collection of conversation out there that think that Freddie Freeman would you know, fit into this lineup, a left-handed bat. Yeah, all those things are true, but that disrupts Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is really comfortable at first base and honestly deserves to be the first baseman and if the Blue Jays continue to do things that I think they're going to do, uh, there will be options to get him off his feet more frequently than playing 161 to 162 games last year. Uh, now, that's why third base becomes the priority for me. And you know the big names that are out there, right? Can you have Chris Bryant play third base? Would Trevor Story sign with the Blue Jays and play third base, moving off of his shortstop assignment? Because Bo needs to be the shortstop. I mean, he's earned the right. He got better last year. He almost hit 300 last year. He's doing it for power. Bo Bichette's the shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think a platoon at second is the more likely scenario between Kevin Biggio and Santiago Espinal. Because if the Blue Jays go out and get a third baseman, they're going to get somebody that can produce. Uh, one, that they can pick it. Two, uh, you know, be steady with the bat in an offense that just doesn't need a real big thumper. You don't need a pressure guy. Uh, you'd like to have a threat in the lineup, but you just need a consistent professional at bat. And that's why I still think the Blue Jays are going to take a long look on how they can acquire Matt Chapman. And Matt Chapman, I know he had a down year last year, but look at how he plays third base. It's elite. He plays deep. He covers a lot of ground. That takes pressure off of Bill Bichette. He's got a good arm with good throws. That takes pressure across the diamond coming to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And and look at the rotation. You've got a lot of guys that get ground balls induced, so you want a good third baseman that can be out there and pick it. That is where I think the likelier scenario, unless the Blue Jays go all in, and it's going to cost them, both in prospects and likely a couple of guys on the major league roster, to the guy that fits way too well, and that's Jose Ramirez. Not as a good a defender as Matt Chapman, you know, that's, but that's the uptick in the bat, right? Um, where he can bat on both sides of the plate, hit for power, hit for average, on base, all that stuff. Uh, so there, there are some questions, but the answers just aren't that hard to find when, it, how, when how you want to round out the lineup, how you want to round out the Blue Jays defensively. Let's go out and get an elite third baseman. And the top guy for me is Jose Ramirez, and right behind him is Matt Chapman coming from uh, Oakland if they can get him in a deal. So what would a deal look like? Are we talking, is there anyone off limits, or, or would they be able to say we, we want Gabby Moreno or, or Elvis Martinez, or I think who you'd argue are the top two prospects in the organization right now? 
And those are probably the only two guys that are off limits. Circling camp the last month for me and posing the same question, like who would you part with or who wouldn't you part with? Or Elvis Martinez and Gabby Moreno are the two guys. Those are the two names that I continuously hear that they do not want involved in package and they stop conversations when people ask about getting them in packages. So that opens up a whole can of worms about who's available. And there's prospect capital in the organization now. There's also major league capital in the organization right now. Uh, Randall Gritchick, in the absence of Mark Hanna in Oakland, could swap and go to Oakland really well. I think he'd get opportunity if Randall Gritchick went to Cleveland at the same time. And Randall Gritchick would also get more opportunity to play because right now he's an odd man out. The Blue Jays have been comfortable kind of spelling Kevin Biggio in the outfield. Santiago Espinal can play there at times. That's, that's a more of an emergency. This is a really good working roster that only gets better with players that make it better. But the cost is a Logan Warmoth, a Jordan Groshans, maybe a, a lower-level, high-prospect pitcher, and somebody that's on the major league roster. And, you know, the major league rosters had some names floated. I don't think that, that this camp wants to trade Lourdes Goriel Jr. They really think that they found something last year mm-hmm. with Lourdes and, and can be an impact bat despite some deficiencies on the defensive side. And he had a terrible start to last year. But he, but he leveled the water a little bit and got more comfortable defensively. And his offense also clicked up when he got comfortable defensively too down the stretch. That's why I think the Randall Gritchick category um, of outfielder to bulk up a major league ready guy but you have to make a splash. And for me, the name that I continuously hear is Nate Pearson, that the mm. teams are checking in on Nate Pearson. Uh, and as scary as that is, because you know what is the potential of Nate Pearson, the electric fastball, the off-speed stuff that is, you know, continue, continuing to get better and better, um, you know, it's going to cost the Blue Jays to make a huge splash like Jose Ramirez. And it's going to have to have – a little bit of risk in what they're going to give up to land a big fish like Jose Ramirez. And that's why you continuously hear Nate Pearson being brought up. Ben Wagner of Sportsnet from Dunedin, Florida. We've seen Hazel May show up. We talked to Shy last week. He was frantically trying to pack bags and uh, get down there to cover. The, the big leaguers are showing up. We've got uh, opening day on April 8th. The Jays start on the, the uh, excuse me, on the 8th. The opening day is 7th. Jays start on the 8th against the Rangers at Rogers Center. Uh, last one for you, Ben. Just a thought on expectations for the club this year. It's an expanded playoff. That's a new wrinkle. And it sure looks like the Yankees are, are, are aligning to uh, make room and bring in Carlos Correa, arguably the biggest free agent signing in a long time for them. Uh, just thoughts on the division and, and what this group can accomplish. Well, overnight for me, Pender, you, you know what? The landscape of the division changed a little bit. With the Yankees going out and getting Isaiah Conner for left, a guy that can play shortstop, Gio Urshela then from the Yankees can also play shortstop, but it's much better at third base. When the Yankees get Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Conner for left, a quiet offseason all of a sudden becomes a pretty big offseason for New York. And they get a lot of pop. They improve their defense remarkably. They've, they lose Gary Sanchez's bat but you gain no Gary Sanchez behind the plate. And that's going to take a lot of frustration away from the pitching staff of the New York Yankees since they finally cut bait there. But 
the Yankees got better with one deal, and they got a lot of, a lot of danger in their lineup with one deal, getting Josh Donaldson, getting Isaiah Connor falefa That puts a little pressure on the Boston Red Sox because looming in the background will be contract extensions for Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. How are they going to handle that conversation day in and day out unless they get those two guys locked up? They're faces of the franchise, but this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing that the Boston media is going to circle around. And while they're good players, you know, what is Boston going to really be? What, what's Boston going to be against the Blue Jays? They've got a, like six guys, six impact guys. They can't go over the border. Advantage Blue Jays because they're not vaccinated. And that's a widely reported, uh, widely reported fact, um, you know, that there are, there are major bats and pitchers, including Chris Sale, one of the best pitchers in the division, uh, that might not be able to throw one pitch at Rogers Center because he's not vaccinated. So the Blue Jays here within the division are certainly – licking their chops because they know they're one of the best teams when they roll out of bed. And now they're looking at how this division is being kind of maneuvered and the Rays are going to be always a pain in the butt, but the Blue Jays are going to be right there as, as in my mind, a top two team within the division. If they don't win the American league East, that's, that's how good I think this Toronto Blue Jays team is, even with the new faces that they are going to make a splash and they're going to come out of the gate roaring. We're excited. We can't wait. It's not that far away. What, three weeks by my math here that uh, we'll be getting into it for regular season ball, compressed spring. Uh, make sure that golf cart's all charged up and ready to rock, zipping around Dunedin. You're going to be busy here. <laughs> uh, it is fully charged. My batteries and the cart's batteries. Yes, exactly. That mobile unit one, yeah. I love it. it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a wind sprint to the finish, but it's going to be a wild, wild start. And uh, and that's that's, you know what? We kind of glossed over that. I'll just quickly add this. When the players found out that they could go back to Rogers Center and open the season to Rogers Center, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. That's something that was so void the last two years for this Toronto Blue Jays club. They want to be at Rogers Center. They want to have the amenities of the Major League Ballpark, of course. But they want that fan base. They want that roar and things as minor leaguers, especially the homegrown guys, that they saw in 2015, 2016, when they were leaving places like Vancouver, Lansing, and Dunedin, and, and thinking about what it would be like to place themselves in that major league atmosphere. Now it is. It's their major league atmosphere, and they are very, very excited about having a chance to play in Canada, wire to wire, and really make a run at this thing. Ben, thanks for the time. Do appreciate it. Enjoy the day down in Dunedin. Sure will. We'll talk to you soon. All right, there's Ben Wagner of the Blue Jays broadcast team from Dunedin, where the the big boys, most of them have arrived. uh, And if they haven't yet, they are in the next couple days. It sounds like Ryu may be the latest, um, and he may be there today. So there you have it. Uh, Barrios, Gossman, Manoa, Ryu, and Kikuchi as a a starting rotation. Don't mind that at all. Uh, This is a team that still has George Springer, Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and our boy, uh, Alejandro Kirk, who we love, too. He's there. We can find one more infielder, Rhett, and then uh, let's go. Let's rock. Should be a fun year for these guys. They miss home. Are they going to get that guy? Did he make sure? Oh, Jose Ramirez is going to be a lot, man. But here, like, what, what so you, what? Yeah, exactly. So you are all in. You want to hang a banner or no? Yeah. Yeah, go give him a – give him – Make him take Gritchick's money and uh, give him two prospects. Whatever. Sure. Nate Pearson, okay, fine. Do it. See you, pal.
Good luck to you. Good luck to you. Yeah, go be great somewhere else. Just get us, get us, Jose Martinez, would you? Uh, Matt Chapman's an interesting name too. Oakland is uh, in that phase where guys get expensive and they have to trade them. And there's a few uh, very interesting parts there that I think we'll see in different jerseys by the time we get to opening day. Uh, it's Boomer in the morning. My name is Ryan Pinder. There's Rhett Warner, Patrick Dumas here downtown. Uh, on the wheels of steel, and uh, yeah, no boom today. But we'll get a boom back later this week, I'm thinking. Uh, Boomer in the Morning, proudly sponsored by Grey Wolf Golf Course, located in Panorama Mountain Village. Grey Wolf, it wins people over time and time again. Rhett, we're going to make you climb those first three holes. Add a little extra club on your approach shots so that at number four, you can tee off and hit your ball 16,000 kilometers. <laughs> swing hard. It's the, it, it, honestly, just swing as hard as you want. Very forgiving off the left. Can come down that hill right into the fairway. Don't lose it right. Lose it left of anything. And, uh, yeah, it's about as fun as much fun as you can have playing golf anywhere. Gray Wolf Golf Course, of course, number six. The par three cliffhanger. Postcard hole. One-of-a-kind golf hole. Uh, one for the ages, indeed. Feels like you're standing on top of the world, some of those tee boxes. And, uh, you, you know, the cart girl on uh, behind number five and also come back number nine. Yeah, should good selection of beers, right? Gotta love it. Then the patio after. Oh, the tea bar. You go to the tea bar and panorama after. I've been there, and I yeah, I've. Uh, you get the old Rep Warner stamp of approval on the tea bar there. I've been overserved there. You, I've had to. <laughs> I had to order food early and just have it sitting behind the bar for when I was ready to leave. It was perfect. That's a move there. Yeah, I'm gonna order this food, but it's to go. Well, just hold on. I'm not ready to leave yet. I'm gonna need another drink too. <laughs> Thought you were hungry. So I, I am hungry. I'm not done drinking. <laughs> uh, voted BC's number one public golf course by Score Golf Magazine. The 2022 tee sheet now open. Book today, graywolfgolf.com. Coming back, more on the Flames, a week away from the NHL's trade deadline. And uh, Wes Gilbertson will uh, join us in the 8 o'clock hour to talk Daryl Sutter's club, first in a lot of categories in the Pacific Division. Uh, the question is, what will they do ahead of next Monday's deadline? Sports at 960, The Fan. This is Boomer in the Morning with Red and Ryan on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Monday morning, hope you had a great weekend. Flames are busy. They have an off day today, well earned. After uh, five and seven last week, they played Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Oof. They also close out the uh, eight game run that, uh, yeah, they're busy. First 13 days of March, eight games. End up going 5-2-1 uh, and one over that stretch, if I'm correct. Practice tomorrow. It'll be the Devils Wednesday and then the Sabres on Friday. Does, uh, does Rob Ray even text you back anymore, or does he just ignore you? Not very often. Because, like, if we need to get him at some point this week, like Thursday or Friday, do, do we need to te- start texting him now? Uh, if he's out here, oh no, he's not traveling with the team. I don't think is he. Well, it's just still we're still kind of in that weird crossing the border COVID thing, right? So I think like obviously normally he would travel, but I do wonder about that. So if you're waiting to see, him I think at the he was Thursday, saying how great he liked it because he didn't have to travel. So yeah, I don't he would think like he that. Is. The, uh, the, the play-by-play guys are all excited to travel. They oh, look at this. We could stay at nice hotels. We're on the road. You know, we've been working on the miners forever. The former player's like, yeah, yeah, just keep me in my own bed. I'm good. I'm happy to do this from home. <laughs> Didn't he say they were calling they, games from uh, from the Bills Stadium? 
well, that's where they have all their a lot of uh, big studios yeah. or whatever. Studios, yeah, crazy. So, all right, they've had an interesting little run. The Sabers, they win the Eichel Bowl on Thursday last week. Tuck and Krebs both scored. Now Tuck into an empty net, but it sealed it. Uh, they beat Toronto outdoors in Hamilton yesterday, five two. And like, no, they're not going to the playoffs, but. It's funny. I, I listened Friday to the the Merrick show, and and Friedman had noted like we may look back at that Thursday, March tenth day that the Sabers won their fans back because that that is one of the best fan bases in hockey. Period. Stop. But they've had well, not nothing. According to Eichel. Well, yeah, that's true. But I mean, maybe he was part of the problem. Uh, nothing to cheer for, basically, for what feels like a decade. Like, they had that 10-game winning streak a few years ago where Skinner got crazy hot and Eichel had an amazing yeah. start to the year, and then that all crumbled down. But it has been rebuild after rebuild in here. Like, it's been gross. But they're starting to play some better hockey. They're still rolling out like a 40-year-old goalie. They can improve that, I'd think, rather easily. They've got power showing up next year. Dahlin's there. Middlestad might be a player. Tage Thompson, 24 goals, I think. He is a player. Skinner's on pace to have another 30-goal year. Like the, Weird all of about sudden, Skinner, hey? Like how? Yeah. Well, they played him. Uh, Kruger was playing him on the fourth line last year. That guy, you know, no one's going to score 30 on a fourth line, Ralphie. Yeah, I think Kruger's probably finished his NHL He's not going to coach, coach again. No, no. And you know what? Lovely guy, but uh, no. I think no is no, no, no. No. But you think about how wired up, like how fired up and wired that building was for the for the return of Eichel. They win that. They go outdoors. They win. They're on the road now. They come through Western Canada, uh, Edmonton Thursday, Calgary Friday, Vancouver Sunday. But that may be like a weird turning point of sorts for that fan base. You can finally get over the Eichel thing. Your two guys you got back scored. He didn't. You won. And like I like a lot of the pieces here. I don't think it's crazy to suggest that this team will be good next year or the year after. Now, it's a division that's got Toronto, Florida, Tampa, Boston, Montreal. Like, it's not easy at all. I'm not saying they're a playoff team, but I feel like they will have a really good pick in the draft this year, and then that might be it for picking in the top 10. I know, famous last words, but I, I, I are, am I alone here feeling good about where Buffalo's at? What do they do in net? Well, you go find a goal. You go trade St. Louis for, uh, for what's his name? Uh, the backup, Huso, Billy Huso. Yeah, that. Be a good pickup. yeah, they've never had a problem with the backup in St. Louis coming in and not living up to the hype, right? Right, Carter Hutton? Ooh. Well, it's easy to find goalies. Yeah, super easy. Goalies aren't hard to figure out at all. They're simple, very simple, consistent. Oof. They got a very the goalie part, for sure. They also got that uh, that Devin Levi out of Florida in that uh, Reinhardt deal. Maybe he becomes a guy. I don't know. Kind of bullish on the the Sabers and Owen I, Powers' teammate at Michigan, Eric Portillo, their goalie. He's also a Sabers. Is he a Sabers? Well. And yeah. they got three firsts this year, guys. Three. They got their own. They There's got Florida's. They good, got Vegas's. So. Well, and Vegas might not make the playoffs. So wouldn't that be something? Yeah. What are the rules here? Uh, if Vegas's pick is in the top ten, they'll transfer to the twenty twenty three instead. Yeah, top ten's not going to happen. If, if Vegas misses, they'd have to win the lottery. That's yeah. They're getting that pick. They're going to have three first-rounders. So do you want to use those all? Or maybe you do a little shopping draft week with your first-rounder. 
could. One of them, yeah. anyway, yeah. I'll turn things numbers. around. Well, there's there's got to be a point you got to stop taking in capital and start spending that capital. I agree. That might be this summer. They've create, They've made it a much better culture. Granado's done a good job of that. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? They really like Dylan Cousins. The What is he from uh, UConn? First UConn NHLer? First rounder? Stud. Yeah, Krebs has looked good. Thompson a breakout year. Tuck is Tuck. Tuck I like a lot. Probably. They finally are getting into the last year of Ocposo's deal next year. Oh, man, that thing's been going on forever. And he's been doing okay this year. He's been better. Yeah. So we'll see them on Friday, and it'll be the Devils young and scoring a lot of goals of late. The return of Dougie Hamilton again. Different jersey this time. Uh, Wednesday. That's next action for the Flames. So... What we're watching today, only one game tonight, Arizona-Ottawa in Ottawa. Arizona. Okay. Arizona's been scoring a bunch of goals of late. And we're, we got to keep our eye on the players because they're finishing up round three right now. A lot of guys on the back nine of their third round, they'll then re-tee it up this afternoon and play their final round. We looked at the the prize payouts, 3.6 to the winner, 2.18 million or second. Third place, 1.38 million. Fourth place, a hair under a million. Whoa. Big dough going to be handed out today at TPC Sawgrass. They had miserable weather on uh, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, too. Saturday, I was telling you, it, I had uh, I'd set up a play date with the, the young men before the hockey game. Go see, go see your buddy Arch. Go see Archie. Go, so, go hang with Archie. And Archie's pop and I just uh, sat up and watched the coverage of 17. The Crazy Island Green, it was about a 50-50. You could have bet on water or green and just, you know, it was that close. You didn't have to, it was wildly entertaining. Huge wins and the best players in the world just looking like chops. It's amazing. Are they laughing about it or are they just? Well, I mean, I think what they were saying on the broadcast. Hard to laugh when there's three and a half million bucks. That's, that's the thing, right? And it's it's still so early in the tournament. It's like, oh boy, like I can't let this derail, derail my round. Like I got, I, like yeah, we're playing 17, but we're getting right back on the first tee after this. Like there's no break here. We, they're playing a ton trying to catch up on Saturday. They're finishing round one there, and you can see guys are dejected, but they're they're just like, oh look, like they've been hearing groans for three holes from that gallery heading into the hole. They know everyone's splashing it. Like the first group that played it, splash, splash, splash. Second group, two splashes out of three. It's crazy. Best players in the world doing this. One guy, though, yesterday, Rhett, figured out 17. Just a little bump with one. Yep, saw off the finish. Line's good. Oh, it's coming back. Oh, here we go. Ace recorded here at 17. That is a hole-in-one from the Irishman Shane Lowry. And he was fired up. Celebrating with the fans. High fives the whole way down. Raising his hands in the air, asking for more. And then after his round, bought uh, numerous coolers full of beer and left them there for the gallery to say thank you. Nice. What a beauty. Like Great way that. to kick off St. Patty's Day week. There you go. Now he won the the Open over in the UK uh, a few years ago, and famously, three days later, was still at the pub. He hadn't surfaced yet. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, 
He's got the body by Boomer and playing on the tour and didn't leave the pub for three days after the Open. Gets the ace yesterday, and it was a seed, especially with how hard that hole has been. It's pretty cool. Love to see that. Um, What else is on your mind, Retro? What's, I don't know. What's going on here? Can't decide if we're... What's on my mind is I want to know what's on Trilliving's mind. Yeah. So let's spin out some scenarios. Depth defenseman is if you if you look at the resume of the GM, that's what the resume suggests. He's, he always wants to get an extra D man, and you know the coach believes in that too. The war of attrition you guys went through in 0304 was nutty to the point where Brendan Evans suited up for a game, and he was what nine or ten on the depth chart, maybe lower. You cannot have enough NHL defensemen. We know Michael Stone can come in and give you, you know, decent minutes for a guy that's hardly played at all. We believe that Connor Mackey could come in and play well. I'm rather concerned about the season Yusuf Alamaki's having. It's not been great. And got a scouting report from a game last week with Stockton. Just person said I, 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 he looks lost. He, he looks way behind where he was three years ago. Crazy. Really? Yeah. And, and look, that's, you know, they, they're trying to just play the crap out of him, let him figure it out. It's not like he's forgotten how to play, but but that that, that is a serious injury he's trying to overcome. People will tell you it takes a year or two. Was it the ACL, Duma, or the Achilles? It was that training injury he suffered. Yeah, it was ACL, I believe. ACL, like, oh. So I don't know that I'm putting him on the depth chart, just trying to buy him some time to figure things out. But that's eight defensemen there if you include Mackey and Stone. Shillington's out right now, but that seems relatively minor given that they thought he'd play Saturday and it was a late change that he didn't. So would you be okay with a another Fantenberg, Forbort, Gustafson-type acquisition? What do we have to give up? Well, the, the going rate for those seems to be about You're a fourth-rounder. I, yeah, I think that he will do that. Right. But that doesn't that's not what I'm that's not the curiosity I'm having. I'm more curious on is there a way of, of moving Monaghan and that money and allowing yourself to bring someone back in and someone with a little bit more prestige, I guess. Yeah, it's and fine so to add a depth defenseman, that's great. Absolutely could be of huge benefit if there's a an injury bug that hits. But I I don't think it moves the needle as far as No. no. You don't Stanley want to use that to. guy. If, if you're bringing in a 7-8, yes. you, you don't want to use him. Now, if you go yeah. get Ben Sherratt, that's that's an expensive ad, and now I'm asking the question, who are you taking out of your top six? Because I've liked the three pairs this year. I almost feel like that'd be a bit of a, an insult to the team to go bring in a I, – I, like, okay, are we bringing in a good player? Yeah, Ben Sherratt had a great playoffs with Montreal. Having a rougher year, who isn't in Montreal? Uh, but who are you taking out? Like I think we we saw what the team looks like without Shillington. Like okay, well they're not getting out of their own end as easily anymore. You miss yeah, that look, foot speed. I, I. You don't want to take Zad Dog out, but maybe. And are you going to give up? Know. Like you like you said, the price is going to be high, right? To they, get a guy they keep like saying, they keep saying a first they want to get from. Now they they might have to settle for a second and a prospect, or, or maybe they get a, a real late first, depending who they send them to, but. That seems like a really, really steep price to pay for. It's not a need for this team. Like I think well, Florida needs it. another defenseman. I don't think the Flames yeah. need a top four guy 
And that's what Sherrod is. That's how I feel about it too. It's, oh yeah, great. You can add a good, good top defenseman. That's, that's wonderful. But is that your need? So the name that focused on other things, the name that's been out there all year is Claude Giroux. He's 34. He is an immensely talented hockey player. He makes a ton of money. This, this is where the Monaghan thing does make sense, Rhett, because you'd have to, just to make the money work, send a lot back to Philly. Giroux makes eight and a, basically a quarter and is in the last year of his deal. He's a UFA this summer. The sentiment in Philly is, if you're a fan, uh, we love you. We'd hate to do it, but we need the assets. By yeah. all means, please, please say you want to go so we can get some some draft capital. Uh, they've given away picks to get rid of guys like Shane Gostisbehere to add Rasmus Ristolainen at a premium last offseason. Now they've extended him. I think there'll be a lot of teams interested in Giroux, and I think it's going to be incredibly high price to pay. But how good would you feel if you had Lindholm, Giroux, Backlund, one, two, three down the middle? It'd feel really good. I, I feel like you'd uh, you'd make sure you didn't have plans. Or, yeah, well, totally. Yeah, that's right. If he if he if, if you get him there, he's not in Colorado. Yeah. He's not in Vegas. Who I don't know why I even say Vegas. It just seems like if there's a big name, Vegas always finds a way somehow. But that that is a huge, huge move that I think will happen ahead of next Monday. Giroux's going to go somewhere. Two goals shy of 20 on the year, 42 points in 56 games, and that's in just the most miserable of environments. A Philly team that's had two 10-game losing streaks. Yo. 73 points and 85 playoff games for Giroux. Yeah. Like, and, and so the, I, I think the challenge we're having with this Flames forward group right now is how do you slot to Foley? What kind of a offensive line can you build away from Backlund and Corman, well, who you know are going to be checkers, right? Well, you saw yesterday, and I thought the Flames played well. And guys, like, what was the second power play unit yesterday? You got Monaghan, Manjapani, Lucci, Like, I'm sorry. Like, again, you take, you're taking shots a little bit, but I like, I like Giroux, Manjapani, and even Luch better than I like what they had last night. Yeah. Well, and I think you're going to like a lot of what Giroux would do slotting wise. The question is, how pricey is he going to be? And if you're the general manager, do you have a level of comfort giving up a significant haul after already having parted way with your first rounder for this summer? Now, the other backstory on this, Rhett, is talking to people that are in the, the draft and prospect side of things. Next year's draft is a lot better than this one's. So assets this year, you, sure, we'll give you our first. Next year's first, ooh, boy, we want to hold on to that because it's a year where we might find – you know, 20 really good players in round one kind of thing. They love next year's draft class. And I wonder, uh, you never want to give away first rounders to begin with, um, especially with the uncertainty around this roster next year. Now you add that wrinkle of like, oh yeah. And by the way, next year's a really good draft class. Like how do you get a deal done for Giroux? what What are they, the Stockton guys, like our young kids of that pool that we could trade are they what are they looked at so i say like, you have four a prospects 
Pelche, Zeri, Coronado, and Wolf. I think those are your four most marketable assets. Four that if you just randomly pulled other teams, they would say those are those, that's the A group. And after that, there's another group below, and there's some guys in there, whatever. But those are your four best. I don't know where to put Valimaki, and I think teams are aware of that, right? They're aware of the season. That's the thing with Valimaki. I don't think there's is... value there right now. I think I think a team might take him as a throw-in in a deal, but that's not going to be a centerpiece. It just isn't. So would you part with, you know, Zeri, two seconds, and a, a player like Dubé to get something done? Like It's going to be expensive. They're, they're going to want a first year. They're going to want next year's first for Giroux, if not this year's first for another team, right? We'll ask Wes Gilbertson. Yes. We'll come back, keep talking Flames. It is a week away from the NHL's trade deadline. Do the Flames have the gumption for another big cut ahead of the deadline in this year where they've got a cushion between them and second in the Pacific? Uh, they are lined up for home ice for a while if they can take care of business. Uh, it's your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.